Book One, Chapter Five of Saint Francis of Assisi, a Biography, by Johannes Jorensen, translated by Thomas O'Connor Sloan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Francis the Church Builder, Chapter Five, The Conversion. An author of the fifteenth century, Saint Antonine of Florence. 1389 to 1459 in his chronicles of the church has put the summary of francis's activities in the first year which followed his parting from his friends and the joyous life into two lines he now kept in hiding in hermit caves and now piously built up ruined churches solitary prayer and personal work for the kingdom of god were the two means by which the rich man's son, young, spoiled, and worldly, sought to ascertain the will of God as applied to his own case. A little way outside of the city there was a cave in the cliff where he liked to go to pray, sometimes alone, but oftener with one of his friends, the only one who seems to have remained true to him after his change of mind none of his biographers has preserved for us this man's name thomas of chalino only says that he was a distinguished person francis had by nature a strong inclination to speak of his experiences his biographers say of him that even against his will he would speak of things which occupied him it is no wonder that he confided in a friend and in the metaphor of the bible told of the costly treasure which he had found in the cave outside the city and which only needed to be dug out of the soil but he had to be alone to raise the treasure therefore he left his friend outside while he went in by himself and there apart in the dark cave francis found the secret chamber where he could pray to his heavenly father Day by day the desire to do the will of God increased until he had no peace, until he had clearly determined what it was that God asked of him. Again and again were the words of the psalmist on his lips, the words which are the foundation of all true worship of God. Show, O Lord, thy ways to me, and teach me thy paths. Psalm 24, verse 4 and against this pure ideal his past life stood out dark and repulsive with increasing bitterness he thought of his past youth and it delighted him no longer to think over its delights and extravagances but what was to be done not to fall back again had he not time and again been warned and had he not time and again despised the warning and again followed his inclinations when friends again called on him, when the wine once more seduced him, when the smell of the feasts again reached him, and the sounds of violin and lute rang in his ears, would he then have power to resist? Would he not, as before, immerse himself in the glad world of festivity and drinking, which hovered like a golden heaven over the dark everyday world? Francis did not depend upon himself and God seemed unwilling to give him the desired word of help which he asked for. In agony of mind and desolation of soul, Francis fought the battle of his salvation in the loneliness and darkness of the cave. 
and when he finally torn and tortured again approached in the light of day his friends hardly recognized him his face seemed so haggard thus francis became a man of prayer he had begun to taste the sweetness of prayer and prayed continually it often happened that as he would be going through the streets or about his home he would stop everything to go off into a church to pray francis's father seems to have been away from home a great deal during this period of change in his son's nature the mother who according to the authorities loved francis more than her other children let him do just what he wished in one sense he had the same life as before only that the poor had taken the place of his friends it was they he sought it was to them he gave feasts one day when his mother and he were to sit at table together he laid out such a quantity of bread that there was enough for a large family when his mother asked the reason for such profusion he answered that he had intended it all for the poor if he met a beggar in the street who asked for alms he gave him all the money he had with him but if his money was all gone he would give him his hat or his belt sometimes when he had nothing else he would take the poor man with him to a secluded place take off his shirt and give it to him he also began to think about poor priests and poor churches he bought church goods and sent them secretly to places where they were wanting this is the first indication we have of francis's vivid interest manifest in his afterlife for everything relating to churches and which among others found expression in his sending to all provinces good and fine irons to make fine and white altar bread with but first of all the poor were in his thoughts to see them to hear their troubles to help them in their necessities these were hereafter his principal concerns and little by little the desire was firmly established within his heart if i could only find by personal experience how it felt to be poor how it is to be not one of those who go by and throw down a shilling but to be the one who stands in rags and dirt and humbly bowing stretches out his faded hat for alms many a time we may think he stood among the beggars at some church door stood among them while they pitifully asked for a mite but it was not like him to do only this he himself must do the begging in order to understand poverty and this could not be done in assisi where every one knew him it was this which inspired him with the idea of going on a pilgrimage to rome there in the great city no one knew him there he could put his plan into execution perhaps there were some particular circumstances which brought near to him this idea of a pilgrimage to the apostle's grave from september fourteen twelve o four until march twenty fifth twelve o six and again from april four until may eleven twelve o six innocent the third had transferred the papal residence to the bishopric of st peter so long a stay by the unhealthy waters of the tiber may have had some connection with special church functions in st peter's 
perhaps the granting of some indulgence. The Bishop of Assisi at this time was also going on a journey to Rome. However all this may be, Francis went to Rome. We know only a little of his first visit to the Eternal City. He approached by the Flaminian Way and apparently at once went to St. Peter's. Here he met many other pilgrims and saw that they, as was the custom in the Middle Ages, threw coins as offerings through the fenestrella or grated window of the apostle's tomb. The majority of the gifts were only small pieces. Francis stood a while and watched. Then the last sign of his old desire to show off appeared. He pulled out his well-filled purse and threw a whole handful of coins in through the grating, so that the money flew about and rang as it fell, and all the people were astonished and looked at him. The next minute, Francis had left the church and called one of the beggars aside, and a moment after he had at last fulfilled the purpose of the whole journey. As a real beggar, clothed in real rags, he stood among the other beggars on the steps which led up to the church. Of his sensations at this moment, we know enough when we read in one of his biographers that he begged in French, which he liked to talk, although he never could do it perfectly. For him, French was the language of poetry, the language of religion, the language of his happiest memories and of his most solemn hours the language he spoke when his heart was too full to find expression in everyday Italian, and therefore his soul's mother speech. When Francis talked French, those who knew him knew that he was happy. How long Francis stayed in Rome is unknown to us. He may have started back the day after his arrival. The authorities only say that after he had shared the beggar's meal, he took off the borrowed clothes, put on his own, and went home to Assisi. He had now had the great experience of what it was to be poor. He had worn rags and eaten the bread of necessity, and although it must have been a happiness to be in his own good clothes again and to sit at home at his mother's profuse table, yet he also felt the spiritual fascination which contentment and poverty can inspire. What a delight it can be to own nothing on this earth except a drink of water from the spring, a crust of bread from the hand of a merciful man, and a night's lodging under the blue heavens with its shining stars. Why should he be troubled about so many things, about goods and money, house and garden, people and flocks, when so little is enough. Does not the gospel say, Blessed are the poor? And it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Questions of this sort certainly troubled Francis after his return from Rome. With greater zeal than ever he called out to God for guidance and light. The friend who used to accompany him to the cave seems now to have wearied of going on this search for treasures that was always fruitless. The only man to whom Francis now and then revealed himself 
was bishop guido of assisi who probably was his confessor the light cast upon this period by the testament which francis has left us has therefore a special value for us in this document which was written the year before the saint's death we are told the lord granted me to begin my conversion so that as long as i lived in my sins i felt it very bitter to see the lepers but the lord took me among them and i exercised mercy towards them for the lepers occupied a very particular position among the sick and poor of the middle ages based on a passage in the prophet isaiah chapter fifty three verse four the lepers were looked upon as an image of the redeemer more than all other sufferers as early as the days of gregory the great we find the story of the monk martyrius who met a leper by the wayside who from pain and weariness was fallen to the ground and could drag himself no further martyrius wrapped the sick man in his cloak and carried him to his convent but the leper changed in his arms to jesus himself who rose to heaven as he blessed the monk and said to him martyrius thou art not ashamed of me on earth i will not be ashamed of thee in heaven a similar legend is told of saint julian of saint leo the ninth and of the blessed columbini and so the lepers were more than any others an object for pious care during the middle ages for them was founded a special order of knights knights of lazarus whose whole office was to take care of the lepers so too there were erected all over europe the numerous houses of st george where the lepers were taken care of in a sort of cloistered life of these lepers homes there were nineteen thousand in the thirteenth century but in spite of everything the life of the leper was sad enough they were repulsed by the rest of humanity and they were hedged in by severe laws isolating them and hemming them in on all sides as with all other cities there was also in the vicinity of assisi a leper's hospital the lepers were in fact the first real hospital patients and in some languages their name expresses this fact the hospital lay midway between assisi and portiuncula near where the words casa gualdi appear over the entrance to a large estate it was called san salvatore della pariti and was owned by an order of crucigers founded under alexander the third for the care of the lepers on his walks in this place francis now and then passed by the hospital but the mere sight of it had filled him with horror he would not even give an alms to a leper unless someone else would take it for him especially when the wind blew from the hospital and the weak nauseating odor peculiar to the leper came across the road he would hurry past with averted face and fingers in his nostrils it was in this that he felt his greatest weakness and in it he was to win his greatest victory for one day as he was as usual calling upon god it happened that the answer came and the answer was this francis everything which you have loved and desired in the flesh 
it is your duty to despise and hate if you wish to know my will and when you have begun thus all that which now seems to you sweet and lovely will become intolerable and bitter and all which you used to avoid will turn itself to great sweetness and exceeding joy these were the words which at last gave francis a definite program which showed him the way he was to follow he certainly pondered over these words in his lonely rides over the umbrian plain and just as he one day woke out of reverie he found the horse making a sudden movement and saw on the road before him only a few steps distant a leper in his familiar uniform francis started and even his horse shared in the movement and his first impulse was to turn and flee as fast as he could but there were the words he had heard within himself so clearly before him what you used to abhor shall be to you joy and sweetness and what had he hated more than the lepers here was the time to take the lord at his word to show his good will and with the mighty victory over himself francis sprang from the horse approached the leper from whose deformed countenance the awful odor of corruption issued forth placed his alms in the outstretched wasted hand bent down quickly and kissed the fingers of the sick man covered with the awful disease whilst his system was nauseated with the action when he again sat upon his horse he hardly knew how he had got there he was overcome by excitement his heart beat he knew not whither he rode but the lord had kept his word sweetness happiness and joy streamed into his soul flowed and kept flowing although his soul seemed full and more full like the clear stream which filling an earthen vessel keeps on pouring and flows over its rim with an ever clearer purer stream the next day francis voluntarily wandered down the road he had hitherto always avoided the road to san salvatore della pareti and when he reached the gate he knocked and when it was opened to him he entered from all the cells the sick came swarming out came with their half-destroyed faces, blind, inflamed eyes, with club feet, with swollen, corrupted arms, and fingerless hands. And all this dreadful crowd gathered around the young merchant, and the odor from their unclean swellings was so strong that Francis, against his will for a moment, had to hold his breath to save himself from sickness. But he soon recovered control of himself, he drew out the well-filled purse he had brought with him and began to deal out his alms and on every one of the dreadful hands that were reached out to take his gifts he imprinted a kiss as he had done the day before thus it was that francis won the greatest victory man can win the victory over oneself from now on he was master of himself and not like the most of us his own slave but even the greatest victor in the spiritual field must be ever on the watch for his always vigilant enemy 
francis had conquered in great things the tempter tried now to bring him to defeat in small things francis continued as before to go every day to his oratory in the cave outside the city to pray there now it often happened that on the way there he met a humpbacked old woman one of the common deformed creatures who in the south so willingly betake themselves to the sheltering obscurity of the churches they can be seen there all day long rattling their rosaries or dozing in a corner but the instant a stranger approaches they draw the kerchief around their heads limp out from their corner and mutter piteously with outstretched hand un soldo signore un soldo signorino mio a penny sir a penny sir such a pitiful old beggar was it who now every day limped across the young man's path and it happened that in the newly converted young soul there arose a repugnance and a resistance a repugnance to the dirt and misery of the old woman a resistance to her troublesome ways and to her persistency and as he went on his way and the sun shone and the fields were green and the distant mountains shone grey-blue a voice whispered within him and are you willing to give up all this are you willing to abandon it all you will give up light and sun life and joy the cheerful open-air feasts and will shut yourself up in a cave and waste your best years in useless prayers and finally become an old fool shaking with the palsy who pitifully wanders about from church to church and perhaps in secret sighs and mourns over his wasted life thus the wicked enemy whispered into the young man's soul and this was the moment when francis's youth and light loving eyes and knightly soul weakened but as he reached his cave he always succeeded in conquering himself and the harder the struggle had been the deeper was the peace which followed the joy and the hope all in converse with god end of book one chapter five